going to share something with you that sounds a little bit like bro science, and then I'll explain why it isn't. So you may have heard that the average human has between 10 and 20 pounds of impacted putrefying fecal matter in their intestines. That's not only a source of toxicity, but it's interfering with optimal digestion, absorption, and assimilation of nutrients. I thought this was nonsense. However, I recently did a deep dive and an exploration after one of my clients went to a detox clinic that was using this specific cleanse that I'd never even heard of, but you probably haven't either, helping people with addiction, helping people with cancers and disease states and getting all sorts of crazy results and moving pounds of this putrefied mucus and fecal matter out of the intestines and colon and completely restoring people's health. So after he had this insane experience, he told me about it. I told him he had to hook me up. And his medical staff were a little bit hesitant, but I eventually convinced them to allow me to get a kit. And I went through this three-day detox. And the first day was kind of challenging, but you're drinking different packets and nutrients and that sort of thing. On day two, I had multiple feet of this rubber-like, almost silicone, gelatinous, mucus feces, almost like it was like every piece of gum that I'd ever swallowed from childhood until now was coming out. I couldn't even believe this stuff was inside of me. And this continued for the next two days until I finished the cleanse. I felt so much lighter, so incredible. I was I was actually taking videos of my trips to the bathroom so that I could show other people because I was completely blown away. And I'm telling this story not only because it's disgusting, but also in kind of a twisted way, a little bit entertaining, but because the reason that so many of us struggle to get in incredible shape, you know, to get off that last 10, 20 pounds yeah, some of it's discipline. Yeah, some of it's willpower. But a lot of it is what's going on in your gut. It's these sources of toxicity from the inside. It's the microbes like candida and parasites and, and dysbiosis in the gut that are producing endotoxins and inflammation from within your body that are interfering with your metabolic health, running your hormones into the gutter, especially your thyroid hormone, your sex hormones, and your insulin sensitivity. And if you're the type of person that has been fairly healthy, disciplined, doing all the things that you, you quote unquote should do, and you haven't yet found that next gear, I would like to help you if this is a mutual fit. I'm going to be working with a small handful of men that are passionate and excited and determined to take their body and their health to its full potential. To get visible abs, a six-pack in the next three to six months. This will involve multiple steps, but essentially we are going to eliminate every roadblock that stands between you and the body you have always wanted and get you in the best shape of your life. We're going to do detailed laboratory tests, a full blood panel beyond anything that you could possibly get at your doctor, even if you do hormone replacement therapy or anything like that, it blows all of that out of the water. We're going to get a complete minerals and metals test, a complete candida metabolic and vitamins test, a complete omega and inflammation test, complete food sensitivity test, complete stress, mood, and 
metabolism test. We're going to do metabolic typing to create personalized nutrition program for you. And, and then we're going to combine that with biohacks and a proven process and expert guidance from me to optimize your sleep, your gut, your hormones, your nutrition, your training. We're going to use these diagnostics and tools to figure out exactly where there are breaks in your chain, fix those, optimize them, and then combine that with accountability where you and I, you have me walking you through this process every step of the way and showing you exactly what you need to do to get the fat off, to get down to the leanest, most vibrant, ripped, shredded, optimized version of yourself possible. This is only for men who are in a financial position to invest in themselves. It's only for men who are willing to radically change their nutrition, radically change their training, radically change their mindset, radically change their environment. Men who are willing to do whatever it takes to achieve these results and willing to go all in for that 90, 90 day to six month period. We're going to start with a full fight camp, like you are a world-class championship fighter going into the fight of your life. We're going to be 100% focused, dialed in in every facet, like every single decision that you make is either moving you closer to victory or further away. And every choice that you make will either result in you having your hands raised as a champion or getting knocked out. And realistically, this is not for most people. Most people do what most other people do, which is make choices that result in them being fat, sick, depressed, and leading lives of quiet desperation. This is for the 5% of people who are all in, who are excited and determined to explore their full potential during this life experience. If you are interested in having a conversation to see if this is a mutual fit, Go to biohackercoaching.com, fill out the short form, book a time on our calendar to talk with myself or someone from our team. I've never done anything like this before. This is completely comprehensive. All of your labs are included. All of your supplements and biohacks are included. You're going to get my favorite fat burner that you can use. It's I'm, I'm, I'm going to blow the surprise. It's an amazing espresso machine. I'm going to give you the only type of espresso I drink, and I'm going to show you how to use it to burn way more fat. I'm going to show you how to get maximum results in minimum time from your workouts. There's a lot of people that you probably look at them and they might be in better shape than I am at 40 years old and whatever. I think I look pretty good. I'm pretty happy with, with, with the way that I look and feel, but there are some guys that I'm sure are in better shape. I guarantee they work a lot harder than I do. I'll show you how to unlock maximum fat loss, build maximum muscle in minimum time. I'm going to give you my favorite biohack for getting shredded. We're going to literally send you an Airdyne bike, and I'm going to teach you exactly how to use it, what workouts we do. We're going to automate your nutrition. I'm going to send you a juicing machine that you can just load up, hit a button, and it juices it all for you so you don't have to stand there and it's easy to clean. We're going to get you some other stuff for home workouts how to dial in and, and self-quantify your training so that you know that you are in that Goldilocks zone. Too little doesn't work. Too much doesn't work. You got to be right in the sweet spot. And you're going to have me guiding you through it every step of the way. We're going to create a custom supplement program. You'll have full access to my calendar. We'll be on the phone every week at the beginning. And then once we kind of hit stride with things every two weeks, there's never been anything like this, especially where you have direct access to me. I'm not 
putting you off on other coaches or anything like that. This isn't, um, while this could be a program, I think Dr. Peter Atia charges something like a hundred thousand bucks for a program that isn't even close to this. And I will be taking you through at the highest level with the full diagnostics, knowing exactly what labs to order for you and then how to interpret those labs and then translate those interpretations into actionable results that will help you become the best version of yourself. Then we, we tailor that into the expert guidance phase, as I mentioned, where we're optimizing your gut, your sleep, your hormones, your nutrition, your training, everything. And then you have that expert accountability with me via text message. You're going to be taking photos of your food. You're going to be training six days a week. That doesn't sound sexy, but I'm going to put it out there so that you know what you're getting into. I know I'm talking to the, I'm talking to the psychos in the room. The people who want to push themselves, who want to be challenged, who don't want to just get by, and they want to see what they're capable of if they direct all of their faculties and focus to a proven system that is personalized for them with someone like me in their corner. So if you're interested in this, go to biohackercoaching.com, fill out the short form, book a time for us to talk, and then send me a text message to this number, 847 989 3743. Put VIP in there. If you want to have your application moved to the front of the line, I'm only going to be working with a small handful of guys. If you would like one of those men to be you, let's do it. Much love. This is your life and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brutal. If you had one shot, Everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Spencer Feldman, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. Oh, thanks for having me, Anthony. So before we kind of get into your background, which I'm sure our audience would, would like to know, how do you, like, right before we hit record, you and I were having a conversation and you said you're either born a biohacker or you're not. <laughs> how yeah. do you define biohacking? You know, um, I, I suppose biohacking would be someone who looks at their, not just their body, you know, the whole of the experience they're having, their physical body, their mental body, their emotional body, their spiritual body, and ask themselves, what kind of assumptions might I be making um, that I can let go of? What kind of things can I do to really get the most out of all of these different bodies, my physical, emotional, spiritual, mental body, what can I do to fine tune it? You know, like some people, you know, ha I think everybody hacks to a degree, you know, some people might, they might want to hack their, 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 their car and, and get better mileage. And some people want to hack their career and, and get to the top of whatever they're doing. Hacking is really just what can you do to maximize what the, the effect you're having in whatever and whatever field you're interested in applying it to. So biohacking, I would say is, you know, how much more can you get out of the human body? What, what's there that you can unlock um, that most people wouldn't take the time to do or wouldn't know how to do? Mm -hmm. I like that. And I mean, I, a long time ago, I used to listen to a good amount of Tim Ferriss and he's had a positive impact on some of the stuff that, that we've done here. Um, I don't really anymore, but but I still think he seems like a good guy. And he used terminology, maybe with the four hour body, 
where he would say like, what are the, the greatest force multipliers, mm. you know, where you can put in the least amount of, of energy and effort, but get the biggest return. Mm. And I sort of see that, that overlaying with the definition that, that you put out there. Um, for our audience who might not be familiar, like, how did you get here? What is your origin story? Well, gosh. Um, so I, I wasn't the healthiest kid growing up. And, um, did you blame it on vaccines? You know, that was part <laughs> of it. You know, I had some allergies and, uh, that, you know, and I kept eating and being exposed to things I was allergic to. So my immune system get, kept getting pushed in the wrong direction. Um, I was a mid forceps delivery. My head got crushed coming out of, out of birth. Um, you know, I mean, every, usually it takes a couple of insults, you know, the body can get pushed in one or two times, but you push the same part three times in a row. And then that's when you start to get knocked out. So for me, you know, um, a lot of nerve stuff was happening. Um, there are some vaccines being given to my college, uh, when someone came down with, um, mumps or measles or whatever. And right after that, uh, I couldn't even eat soup because my hand shook so bad, um, mm. that the soup would spill off into the bowl before I got it to my mouth. And I went to a doctor and I'm like, what's up with this? And he was like, he said, well, here's a drug. I'm like, yeah, okay. But you know, I don't have a drug deficiency. I mean, maybe I'll take the drug. Maybe I won't, but why is it happening? Explain mm -hmm. it to me. Right. And he didn't have the time to explain it. And maybe he didn't even know. Probably he did. Uh, this unravels so, the whole system I'm a part of. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I had, I had the five minutes with him before he's off to the next person. And so now that my idea of becoming an emergency room surgeon was shot because I would never be able to hold a scalpel study. Um, I got into alternative medicine and what I found is that really what I like to do is I like puzzles. I like figuring things out. I probably wasn't the best person to, um, be interfacing. You know, I don't have, um, you know, in terms of a practice, um, I think I'm only now starting to get the patients at 54 that I would have required to, to be good, um, as a, you know, as a clinician, but I was really good at figuring puzzles. And so I started looking at how the body got put together and got taken apart. And so what I did was I just started making, you know, hacking my own health. And what I, what I realized was what was going on for me was not that unusual. There was actually a lot of people suffering from one version of it or another. And so I started actually making the things for myself available to doctors. And they're like, wow, this is great stuff. And that was 20, 20 years ago. So. so what, from your research and your personal experience, what did you determine to be some of the underlying causes that affect a lot of people with imbalances, health imbalances? Well, gosh, that's a huge question. Um, I guess like the question is, what's, what's the most bang for the buck you can get for fixing? What's the low hanging fruit, right? Mm -hmm. um, so toxins are a, big, are a huge thing, right? Um, we're really not genetically set to deal with the, the type of a number of toxins that we've been exposed to. Um, you know, if we're still around as a species in another, you know, 200 years, no doubt we'll evolve to have upregulated detox pathways. Um, so what happens is, let's say industry comes out with some chemical, maybe it's, you know, whatever, it's a food preservative or something, right? Or, a, and they say, look, um, we are below the threshold where symptoms take place. Symptoms take place at 20 parts per million and we're at 15, no problem. Okay. All right. But when you have, a, when you're exposed to a thousand chemicals that are all just below the, the threshold for causing problems, hmm. 
Well, there's no study that's ever, nor could be done because there's, you know, thousands of chemicals that people are exposed to. And what they, I they also happened, legit run a lot of those studies for very short periods of time that have no reflection of our lifespan. It's, uh, it's in my opinion, a form of fraud. I'm not saying that reflects your opinion. Yeah, it's, it's laziness and yeah. it would be, you know, a, ni a nice way of saying it, you mm -hmm. know, it's intellectual dishonesty would be an, an, a heavier way to say it. Mm -hmm. Um, so what we have is exposure to thousands of chemicals, all just, you know, at levels that individually might not be a problem when you add them all together and synergistically, they really cause some issues for the body. Um, you know, if you think about it, a human body left to its own devices in a primitive way, you know, you're a parent at 13 and a grandparent at 26, you know? Um, and so by the time you're 30, you know, genetics is pretty much done with you. You've already not only had a child, but been around to help your grandchild so that your kid could go out and still hunt and you could watch the grandkid at 30 you're you know there's no genetic benefit to you staying alive so if you want to start um fixing so problems that happen after 30 the body doesn't really have a, a need for a solution for it because there's no benefit to your genetic fitness to that there's no reason why genet, um it, it's going to put out that energy uh, so if you, when you start having problems past 30, then you've got to figure it out for yourself. And it's not that the body won't hook you up. It will, it'll work with you, but you got to take the reins. You got to put your hands on the wheel because it's not, it's not automatic at that point, which is why, you know, and you know, at 80, you look at 80, that's why you see people at 80 years old and they're not in the same shape they were at 30. You know, what's going on with that? Well, you know, the, the we don't have repair systems put in place for things that happen at that point. So you know, when you're younger, uh, biohacking is like, hey, how do I uh, move my bench press up to, you know, 250 pounds? And how can I uh, push my IQ up another 10 points? And, you know, you get a little older and then you think, oh, well, how can I maybe extend my lifespan? You know, what can I, how can I manipulate telomeres and stuff? But, you know, I'm 54 now. And uh, as a biohacker, the things that I'm hacking have changed. So for me, biohacking now is, how do I not get cancer? How do I not have a heart attack or a stroke, which is same thing, different location? Um, how do I not go senile or have the class of neurodegenerative disorders associated, you know, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, MS, you know, Lou Gehrig's senility, all those things are neurodegenerative. Um, so, you know, as a biohacker, you know, you mature at a certain point to realize, okay, um, not dying of cancer is a pretty impressive biohack, considering that most people are going to die of cancer, heart attack, or get senility. Mm -hmm. If you can get to the the three percent or two percent that don't get that, that's an awesome biohack. Mm -hmm. And then where so those statistics that you shared are accurate but recent, and that wasn't the case even a few decades ago. Right. Which, no, I'm not saying that 3% of people aren't, I don't, I don't recall the current numbers of, of people that go for heart attack, cancer, stroke, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Senility. I'm, I'm but, agreeing but, with you. It's like most but, people are going to die from, from those things in some, in some variation. And, and our genes haven't changed in the period of time that those statistics have shifted is yeah. what, is what I'm saying. Right. So, so we're in this intermediary phase where, mm -hmm. where, and the environment has stimulating or is creating these problems, but our genetics haven't caught mm -hmm. up to fixing it now it's mm -hmm. happening now epigenetically you and i are different than we were 10 years ago 20 years 30 ago we are mm -hmm. genetically different than our parents and our grandparents it is happening but mm -hmm. not fast enough for my for my 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 tastes um mm -hmm. i 
I want to push that envelope forward. And so, you know, the first thing, uh, you know, the first hack, if you want to say it is, you know, would be like detox. And because detox is really the, the driving force behind most of these conditions. Uh, and detox has got a bad rep because, you know, uh, companies will put together products and, you know, the, a diuretic or, or, or something that'll just make you pee a bunch. Um, uh, and some, you know, cl uh, chlorella or whatever, and call it a detox because it has no definition. So let's define detox now. So your, your audience has a better grasp of what it is we're trying to accomplish. <laughs> if a toxin is water soluble, Anthony, you pee it out. And so it does its damage while it's in you and through your kidneys as it comes out and then it's gone. And then you just have the repair work. If a toxin's fat soluble, now it gets more complicated because a fat soluble toxin, you can't pee out and it hangs out. Uh, when it becomes fat soluble, that means it can start to bind to the fatty tissues and inside the membranes and they can hang around for a while. And some of these toxins are what I call catalytic toxins. Uh, and a catalytic toxin is a toxin that doesn't get used up in the process of its toxification, right? So for instance, there are some toxins that are so reactive that they react to whatever's in your body. And even if you can't get rid of them, it doesn't matter. They're, they've reacted to everything. And now there's this little lump of stuff that's completely reacted out. You can't get rid of it, but it doesn't cause any more damage. It's already done every reaction it can do, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have stuff that's mildly reactive. And okay, it's reactive, but your body can handle it. But then you get these classes of poisons that are middle reactive, like the metals fall into this class, right? Mm. They're catalytic. Like, you know, a catalytic converter in your car is a platinum or palladium that will change some of the exhaust gases and, and help them break down. Okay, mm. so metals are really good catalysts. Lead, mercury, these are catalytic metals. And so what that means is, they don't get used up in the process of what they do, right? It's not like a domino that falls over once. It's a domino that keeps knocking over other dominoes. So it's these catalytic poisons you got to be careful of. And it's not just metals. They're chemicals that are catalytic, especially the class that are of medium toxicity or not toxicity, medium reactivity. Because a medium, a medium reactive toxin, it, 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 the body, you know, it's it's more powerful than the body can deal with, but not so reactive that it it knocks itself out in the process of what it's doing. And so it's this catalytic poison. It just keeps poisoning over and over and over again. So as we accumulate these catalytic poisons, the metals and certain types of chemicals, um, they just keep causing trouble in the body over and over again. So does glyphosate detox, fall into that category? I'm sorry, you know, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know if glyphosate would be considered catalytic. Uh, it is certainly extremely nasty. Um, right. You can detoxify glyphosate. Um, with NAD? Uh, how do you, I, I don't want to go on too many tangents. I you know, I mean, you can talk this, about just, you know, displacing with the glycine because it's a glycine analog. Mm -hmm. um, All right, know, we'll, get, then, we'll get into that. You just got me excited. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah please continue with that. And, I'm, and, I'm fascinated and, yeah, by but, the catalytic but, toxins. But it, it, uh, glyphosate is one of the things that actually creates prions, and we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. So we have these catalytic toxins, and you really want to urinate them out if you can if you can get them out of the body. Uh, so the question is now, how do you get these things? How do you get, how do you make them fat water soluble so you can pee them out again? Uh, so metals are a major catalytic toxin. Uh, and I, th I think it's either 86 or 90% uh, decrease in the risk of uh, heart attacks and cancer. And I don't remember which one goes to which one. 
right? But uh, people that have done, um, I think something like 20 chelation sessions, this is an old mm -hmm. Swiss study, had a yeah. decreased, ri decreased risk of heart attack and cancer by 86 and 90%, one or the other, I don't remember which. You, you can take 90% plus blockages and completely reverse them with heavy metal, uh, intravenous heavy metal chelation. Like Dr. Frank Schallenberger's done it uh, hundreds of times at his clinics. Yes, and um, we can get into blockages in a second because that's one of the major things we have to talk about. Um, it, there are some people for which metals are not going to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. Getting the metals out won't be enough. Um, and what I want to do is there's a, there, there are ways to get those class of people to help too. So, okay. So mm -hmm. the first is how do you get the metals out, right? So if you think about a greasy dish, right? You want to get the grease off the dish, right? So the grease is the, the fat-soluble toxins, for instance. So what you do is you run hot soapy water and the soap is a detergent that chemically alters the grease. So it's water soluble. So you can, you can wash it down your sink. So um, as long as you haven't got the sink plugged, right? It's, you, can, you can soap and water and then you rinse it off and, you're, and, you're, and your dish is clean. So that's the same in the body. You need a soap. Detox is really just about buying biological soaps for these catalytic types of poisons, these fat soluble poisons. EDTA, chelation, ethylene diamine tetracetic acid, which is basically vinegar uh, with a protein, is what will bind to these metals, lead, cadmium, arsenic, aluminum, right, nickel, and make them water soluble so you can pee them out. Uh, now, the other thing, but metals aren't the only class of toxins, right? Metals are certainly a, a huge player and one of the bigger, one of the nastier things we can deal with. But then there's, a, gosh, five, six million chemicals we've invented in the last century. Mm -hmm. And so the way you get that out is a different pathway. Now, have you heard of something called um, a coffee enema? <laughs> Done hundreds. Okay. So what a coffee enema does is it stimulates something called a cytochrome P450 enzyme, which is what attaches oxygen to a fat-soluble toxin, mm -hmm. rendering it temporarily more toxic and more reactive. And then from there, the body can then attach something like glutathione, glucuronic acid, methyl groups, sulfate, whatever, whatever particular um, conjugate will then bind or solubilize that particular chemical and you can pee it out. So it's two steps. The oxidation through, from cytochrome P450 through a coffee enema, and then the presence of these conjugates, right? So when I was looking at trying to make a better, smarter mousetrap for the coffee enema, I thought, okay, we can make this as a suppository and save the hassle of laying in a, in a bathtub for half an hour. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I thought, well, wait a minute. What about the other part? If the way coffee is working is by stimulating the cytochrome P450 enzyme, and if that's requiring all these other elements, which I know people are deficient in, I'm gonna that'll be the rate limiting step. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what I did is I mixed the organic coffee in a suppository with glutathione with all these conjugating elements, which is called phase two. Phase one is the, the coffee enema or uh, the oxygenation of it through cytochrome P450. Phase two is the conjugates being added to it. And we put them together in a suppository and got great results. And one of the things I found is that, let me tell you about, about multiple chemical sensitivity and how this plays out. People who have multiple chemical sensitivity, and I used to have it to a small degree, um, mm -hmm. they walk into say an elevator and they breathe in some cologne and they get really, really sick. And the reason mm -hmm. is because the cologne goes through phase one. They, the, their bodies can add the oxygen to it or oxidize it through the enzymes, but they don't have the other conjugates. And so what they're left with a half detoxified col colon, uh, <laughs> uh, cologne, right? 
And remember what I said, it makes it more reactive. So they actually make that chemical in their body more reactive and more poisonous and they get sick as a dog. Now, the reason the average person doesn't experience that is because it's in the millionth of a second, because it actually just happens that fast, it happens in millionths or billionths of a second, that, that, uh, and that the chemical is added to, uh, is oxidized right afterwards, the conjugate goes on it and then it's rendered soluble and much less toxic and out it goes. So what we found is that people who had multiple chemical sensitivities were crashing on phase two. They had phase one, not phase two. And by giving them both at the same time, we got much more powerful detox results. And this kind of reminds me of like what I would call a detox trap. You have people who, who are doing detox and they're getting sick and their doctor or their coach or they themselves think, I just need, I'm detoxing. I just need to keep pushing through. Yeah, well, gonna, I'm going to herc, herx for the next yeah, six I'm months. Herc, Maybe, <laughs> right? But there's two, there's another possibility. And that is, no, you're actually making yourself, the person's making themselves worse. Mm -hmm. And the way this happens is twofold. One, they're doing a half tox, detox. They're doing phase one, but not phase two, right? They, um, they're doing the part that stimulates cytochrome P450, but they're totally crashed on their glutathione. Or they're able to do both of those, but their liver and gallbladder and kidneys are so compromised that the, to the water-soluble toxins hang around a lot longer than they should, and they're still toxic, even though they're water-soluble and it takes a while to get them out. Or three, the product they're taking is toxic, and I'll give you an example. Let's say somebody takes some zeolites that haven't been acid-washed, and they're taken out of the earth, but they weren't properly cleaned, and they absorbed metals in the earth. And now they take the zeolites, and they hit the stomach acid, and the stomach acid breaks loose all the metals in the zeolites, and they get sick. Mm -hmm. And the doctor tests their urine and like, look at all those metals you're dumping. No, you weren't dumping them. Those are the ones you got, you put into yourself. Mm -hmm. Or chlorella. If the chlorella is grown off the coast of China and it's full of industrial sewage and waste, then they check the person's urine and wow, look at all this junk you're dumping. No, that's what came in on toxic chlorella. So there's three traps, right? Or the mm -hmm. traps would be one, the detox you're doing that is actually toxic or two, you're not finishing the detox pathway. So there's three stages of detox. Stage phase one, the coffee enema, or in our case, suppositories, cytochrome P450, oxidizes the chemical. Phase two, the conjugate gets come on, complete the, right? Phase three, you have to get rid of the toxin. You have to pee it out, or it has to come out the bile and out into the stool, which is why we have a product called Glitamins, which we use to support the body uh, in, getting, in keeping a fully flowing, hepatobiliary tree and everything's moving. So, you know, a lot of people, if you take an ultrasound and look in their gallbladder, you'll see sludge, you'll see stones, you'll see all sorts of muck. Someone might say, oh no, I had the gallbladder removed. And I'm like, well, now they're just building up in your liver, right? The problem wasn't fixed. So three stages of the detox, right? So we have the metacardium, which is the metals. We have the Zeniplex, which is the uh, phase one and phase two for chemicals. And then we have one called glitamins, also a suppository which is sort of like a liver gallbladder flush and a, and a kidney flush to make sure that once you solubilize it, it goes out the door. And because of that, we get very few hercs with our product. And we, when we do get a hercs, it's a real hercs. It really, it basically it's just, there's so many toxins in this person that there's just no way they're gonna detox, you know, without having a little bit of discomfort. And what I tell them, Anthony, is, you know, hang in for a few days, it won't be long. So that's your main thing. If you're doing a detox and three, four days later, you're bad or worse, stop. Within three yeah. or four days, if you have, aren't getting better with each detox, something's wrong with your detox. I completely agree. And, and for a long time, we used to just 
try to plow and it never works out well. You always need to like slow things down and, and readjust and, um, and, and kind of go back to the drawing board. The, um, the Glitamins is your product that sort of mimics some of the efficacy of a coffee enema. Right. Okay. So the metacardium was, okay. I taught myself how to do IVs on my own arm. I don't recommend that to anybody. It's a bloody painful experience. Bloody I tried, experience. I tried for a while too. It was too much. I tried, I was yeah, trying yeah, to do I, that NAD at home. And yeah, yeah. I mean, my <laughs> wife at the time was looking at all my arm. I was pale. I had cold. She's like, why didn't you stop? I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to have to come up with something else. So, you know, the metacardium, we made that product as a suppository. So we do enough to do IVs. Then the Xenoplex <clears throat> was the coffee enema glutathione combination. There's more than glutathione, but that's what the one people mostly remember. And then that's phase one, phase two. And the glitamins is the one that's the liver, gallbladder, kidney flush. So have you, have you ever done a liver, gallbladder flush? I, I've done with uh, like, what was it? Olive oil and yeah, Epsom yeah. salt and uh, grapefruit yeah, yeah, juice. Right. right. So the idea is you're trying to soften and then Mm-hmm. dilute the sphincter vodi, the sphincter at the, mm-hmm. at the gallbladder and give birth. Andres so. Moritz or something, right? The amazing yeah, little gallbladder exactly flush. Right. <laughs> that's right. And I have people say, oh, I'm on my 10th one. I'm still getting out stones. I'm like, no. You pro- Okay, so go grab one of those stones out of the toilet, fish it out and squeeze it. And it, oh, it's mushy. I'm like, yeah, it was never a stone. That wasn't a stone. That was just the reaction, the chemical reaction of, of fat and of all that olive oil and your bile and your body. You're you're creating these false stones, and so these people will do flush after flush after flush, and so drain. Do you, do you think that that flush is is a farce? No, not at all. Oh, but, okay. Um, I think there's nicer ways to do it. So okay. if you do a whole bunch of them, uh, you drain your body of bile, and now you're going to cause the problem you were looking to avoid because lack of bile is what's causing the stones. Right? The body recycles 90, 90%, 95% of its bios. It's ex- mm-hmm. you, you know, make a liter of it a day or something. So you're always re- reabsorbing it. But if you keep blasting it out, you've got to make that. And mm-hmm. someone who has gallstones, they have it because they weren't making it well to begin with. So, um, you know, I would consider doing one liver gallbladder flush um, if you wanted to, um, but do it after the glitamins. But the thing is, if you're not in a, the glitamins, you don't need to. You don't need to do the this, um, this dramatic and sometimes painful experience because if a gallstone gets jammed up in your pancreatic duct or gets jammed up in there, you know the, the three most painful things in the world are, from what I'm told by people that have had them, you know what the, what it says. Number one is a gallbladder attack. Number two are kidney stones. Number three is childbirth, right? And I know how bad kidney stones were, so you know I I don't want to mess I've around with having a gallbladder. Yeah, yeah, that was it was a horrific experience, which is what stimulated me to create a new product, so no one else would have to go through that. Um, I'll tell you about that in a bit. So, um, right, doing these dramatic flushes where you squeeze it all out, you know what? The gallbladder, unless someone is like scheduled for, all right, someone is told that they have fifteen days and they're going to go or they're going in for surgery. Okay, I would, you know, they could consider ten days on glitamins and then a liver gallbladder flush. But barring that kind of immediate need. You know, if you've got a month, just do the glitamins, slowly melt them out, take your time. doesn't have to be anything painful or, or dramatic like that. And it'll, it'll, it'll um, maintain your natural bile levels or if anything, build them up. And how, like once, if someone's taking glitamins, how do they know that they are melting them out? Like, is there, cause you, you sort of, uh, 
proved that people, that they were soft and people were not actually removing what they thought they were removing. How do you do the uh, opposite of that and prove that you are breaking them apart with your glands? Well, yeah. I mean, the best way is to have an ultrasound of your gallbladder and just go in and take a look. Um, okay. Barring that, you could do it by symptoms, right? If someone says, every time I eat greasy foods, I feel really bad. There's a couple of gallbladder meridian points on the feet you could find by looking up gallbladder meridian on the internet and pressing on those points, seeing if they hurt. You can pal palpate under your right rib cage and move around. And you know you can see if your skin is starting to look a little less green. My skin looks green because the logic tech, the camera I'm on makes everybody look green. I'm actually not this green. <laughs> I actually have a skin tone closer to yours. But that's another matter. Um, so, you know, I mean, you can do it kind of just like getting a sense of where your body is and how you're feeling. That's one way to do it. And then, or mm -hmm. blood tests, you know, see what your bilirubin level is like, your liver enzymes, that kind of thing. Awesome. Awesome. No, I appreciate that. I think that gives people some good data points and metrics to, to look for. Um, I would say, you know what, just... What, you know, once a year, you know, do the three of them, alternate a day of each, just like, you know, you, you change the oil in your car once or twice a year, just flush these things out of your body once a year. If you live, you know, right next to a highway or in a city and the air quality is really bad, or you work at some kind of industry like hairdressers or auto mechanic, your hands are in solvent all the time. Okay. You could do it more often, but you know, once a year, it puts you way ahead of the curve. Hmm. And, um, do people typically, like if you have someone do a round of the metacardium, the Xenoplex, the glitamins, what does, what does that typically produce in terms of results for the individual? And I know it, it, it varies, but like. Well, I mean, it depends where they're at, you know, I mean, hmm. you know, we've had some people that have their, had their lives change. Um, I would say that the, the glitamins has probably the most, the quickest response, because if you knock out, if you can clear gallstones out of somebody, they feel better immediately. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can clear out the liver, that's just like, oh, I feel good now. Thank you. I had one, there was one woman, she was like 80. She called me up to thank me. She had had headaches for a while and she was so grateful that she did the glitamins. I'm like, wow, those are some pretty bad headaches. She goes, yeah, they started when I was 15, right? This poor woman had headaches for 30, 65 years and, you know, all she had was like a trapped gallstone. So glitamins, you know, pretty quick. Xenoplex, um, that real magic will be for someone who's got multiple chemical sensitivities. They'll be like, oh my God, the first three days were, were pretty darn rough, but each day got better. And by the 10th day, I'm 80% better. Um, mm. So, you know, multiple chemical sensitivities is, is uh, you know, and usually most people never get over that. Um, Will the average person feel anything from glitamins? Maybe, maybe not. You know, it depends how sensitive you are. Metacardium, that one, you know, can definitely take more than one, you know, because each box of metacardium is like two IVs or something like that. And, you know, you really want to get out to like 10 to 20 IVs, depending mm -hmm. on what you're trying to accomplish. Um, so a lot of these, you know, you, you, you have to be able to monitor your own blood. You have to have, a, you know, I mean, you could get the Piccolo Express for $16,000 and with the two drops of your blood, you can do a whole blood chemistry for yourself. If you're really into biohacking, that's a great thing to have. Um, you don't have to go to, to a doctor to have them draw blood from you and you could do all the chemistry tests you want. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, we've, we've already done all those tests. So um, I, I could tell you, you know, I, I've seen what all the blood values do when you chelate. I've seen, you know, metabolism increase. I've seen bilirubin go down. I've seen, you know, um, liver enzymes normalized. I've seen prothrombin rates come down. I've seen, yeah, I mean, you name it, you, you're watching uh, kidney function. There's almost no way to get kidneys. Kidneys almost always get worse. You mm -hmm. rarely hear of anybody's kidneys getting better, but mm -hmm. chelation 
and let me tell you, only one, there's only one kind that'll do it, actually is great for the kidneys. The kidneys, aside from the normal damage, they calcify. And kidneys are like a filter, right? You, you, you run a filter, you run hard water through a filter long enough, that filter's not gonna work, right? So, you know, the, cal the kidneys tend to calcify as we get older. And so the, the, key, the kind of EDTA we use is um, magnesium dipotassium EDTA. It's a calcium-free EDTA. We're the only ones that use it, as far as I know. Um, and the reason we do that is because for a number of reasons, but the main one is you can't remove calcium if there's already calcium on your EDTA. You have to have a, a, a metal that has a, a weaker affinity than calcium. So magnesium, potassium, a very weak affinity for EDTA. When they bump into the calcium, which has a stronger affinity, they'll swap for the calcium. And then it's going through the bloodstream. And then if it sees lead, it says, oh, I really want lead more than calcium. And it swaps the calcium for the lead. Mm. Well, that's a win-win, right? You now decalcified the kidney or whatever tissue or the arteries. And then now it became nutritional when it, it got bounced off for lead and the lead gets pissed, uh, goes out in the urine. So if you want, so, you know, that's why I was so thrilled when I saw kidney function improve with, uh, with the EDTA, with, uh, with, uh, with calcium-free EDTA, because normally you can't do that. Normally they just get worse. So that was... That was pretty amazing. Yeah, that's very interesting. Especially, I mean, my grandpa spent his last few years on dialysis and kidneys just declining in, in function year over year. Um, can you speak a little bit to aluminum? Because from my understanding, many of these heavy metals are much easier to chelate than aluminum. No, aluminum's fine. Aluminum is easy. It depends what kind of chelate you're using. So um, heavy is, real, is, is the wrong way to think about it. Uh, heavy means heavier than the specific gravity of water. So theoretically, aluminum is a light metal, but it's mm -hmm. toxic. And um, you know, zinc is a heavy metal, but it you know, in the right amounts is good for you. But we use the word heavy metal just you know because that's what's in the vernacular. Um, toxic metals would be more accurate, but it's, it's whatever. Um, aluminum is not a problem. Uh, it's just you know, EDTA pulls out aluminum just fine. Again, you just have to have a, a metal attached to your EDTA with a, a weaker affinity than what you're going after. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. That's, um, that's good to know. I mean, I did a hair tissue mineral analysis years ago and, and my aluminum levels were through the roof highest. One of my physician buddies had ever seen. And I was under the impression that I had to go through all sorts of different protocols with silica and different forms of oral zeolite and so on and so forth. And Nah, EDT, I'll have that out. I, mean, I don't know how much is in you. If you're that level, it could take a while. It's mm -hmm. not like lead, which is in the bones. It takes a while to come out. I, I would think three to six months on chelation and that should be gone. Mm -hmm. And do you do the suppositories? Is the protocol typically every other night before bed or at what frequency do you recommend the... Uh, uh, so if someone's doing the kind of total detox, it's a different suppository each night. So the, one of each of those three every night for 30 days. If someone's got a more advanced case, you know, I do consultations, call me up and we'll figure out a protocol specifically for them about, you know, based on where they're at. So they don't mm -hmm. push it too fast, but don't waste time getting the job done. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. And then how often do you see, or how long do you see it typically take for people to chelate metals? Is this uh, Everybody's a, a different. three months, six months? Yeah. You know, it depends on how much and what type. Some metals, mm -hmm. you know, like lead could take years, you know. Uh, so it's a type of metal and it's the, um, the amount of metal. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a bit of a life, lifestyle thing, you know, mm -hmm. that's why what I tell people is, you know, chelate to the point where you've got most of it out and then have a maintenance to get the stuff that's slowly going to work its way out of the tissue over time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. But, I mean, to answer your question, the average person 
pre-chelation should get them, you know, Pareto's rule should get the most of the stuff they want out with the exception of people that really have some kind of occupational exposure. You know, you, you like to shoot at an indoor range and you got lead toxicity or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. What's so, um, I'm curious on your perspective as it pertains to the interrelationship between these toxic metals and wireless electricity. So what'll happen is it's not the metals per se, I think, but all right, so when if you look at the periodic table, there's lots of metals. Calcium is a metal, right? So um, what happens is metals can form crystals. And if you ever look at the the okay, so in uh, World War II in Italy, when uh, if you got caught with a radio, uh, the the Nazis would kill you. Um, people would make radios called foxhole radios out of pencil lead because it used to be lead and not graphene, and a razor blade and a, and a, um, a paper on uh, um, safety pen. Uh, and basically the reason you could do that is pretty because MacGyver. crystals, what's that? That's pretty MacGyver. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, crystals can, uh, be basically radio antennae receivers and ample, you know, ample. So, um, metals will form crystals in the body. So all the metals can crystallize. And then now you've got people who've got, you know, um, millions or billions of tiny, tiny radio receivers in them. And these are the people that are EMS sensitive it's because they're picking up every signal from the metals, not because of the metals per se, because the metals are toxic, but because the metals form crystals and crystals are, are radio receivers. So mm -hmm. you start clearing out the metals, you, you can start to see that EMS sensitivity go away. The other thing is we make something called an electron charger. Uh, are you do, do any grounding, Anthony? I mean, yeah, I love swimming in natural bodies of water and I try to walk yeah. around barefoot most of the time. And okay. Yeah. So let me give you the download on grounding. Um, if you had a battery, right, a car battery, and um, if you were like you have an RV and you want to put your battery, you're going to not drive your RV for the winter. Um, if you just leave it attached and don't do anything over winter long, your battery will discharge. And if it discharges enough, it'll die and then you just have to replace it. Mm -hmm. So then the next year, you're like, okay, I know better. I'm going to detach, disconnect my battery. And then when you came back to it, it's still discharged, but it didn't have a parasitic load and you were able to recharge it back. The next year you get smarter still, you say, I'm gonna put a battery maintenance thing on it and keep it fully charged the whole time the battery stays lit. Okay, grounding is like your maintenance charge. It only really helps, it, it's best at keeping you at the level you're already at, but it doesn't, you can't use a maintenance charger to recharge a battery or recover a dead battery. You need different technologies for that. So. The reason why batteries can't be recharged is because they crystallize and they are no longer able to hold a charge. Now you can throw away your car battery and replace it or your cell phone battery and replace it, but we can't throw away and replace every cell, every cell in our body, which is every cell is a little battery. So I figured out I've got to be able to fix these dead batteries in the body. And so we came up with a way of doing uh, grounding on steroids. So until we take it up to up to 18,000 volts, but at an amperage it's safe and we can pulse it, it's a machine I made called the electron charger. And the idea is to break up all the crystals for several reasons. One, crystals mean that those, those metals can't be urinated out and then they keep doing damage. Two, the crystals mean that you're a radio receiver and you may have EMF sensitivity. Three, the crystals mean you can't hold a charge because crystallized batteries don't hold a charge. So we break up. So it turns out that the military does have fancy machines for recovering dead batteries. They use a pulse of high voltage. So I built a machine that did that. And the machine has 
different settings. One setting is for blasting out crystals. One setting is, which is your first thing you need to do. And if you're full of oxalates, because someone told you spinach was a good idea, a good thing to eat, mm -hmm. uh, then you do that. And then once the crystals are gone, then you have a lower setting without the pulsing to keep to charge the battery, to bring it back up to power. And then at a certain point, you just put it on low and that's like your maintenance charge. So that's my story about crystals. So in early 2022, almost out of nowhere, I started experiencing massive changes in my body and mental health. My hair was thinning and falling out faster than ever before. I was experiencing mood fluctuations, I was putting on body fat, losing strength and muscle mass. I was even having a harder time remembering certain people's names and things that I knew I knew. My face looked older and I had more wrinkles and there was a noticeable decrease in my sex drive. And then one of the guests that I had on our podcast introduced me to a product called BioPro Plus that naturally boosts your IGF-1 and human growth hormone levels. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check out episode 265 on how to increase HGH, boost libido, and experience 68% better recovery with Dustin Baker. BioPro Plus contains a combination of powerful natural ingredients for boosting HGH, human growth hormone, and IGF-1, like elk antler, tribulus, and shilajit, all in their purest and most potent forms. What's interesting is elk antlers are the only mammalian appendage capable of continuous regeneration. These antlers grow an inch or more per day and have the fastest growth rate of any organ in the animal kingdom. I started taking one glass vial every morning and holding it under my tongue for 90 seconds before swallowing. And before I'd even finished my first kit, I was getting compliments on my skin and how I looked five to 10 years younger. You can even go back and look at some of my social media videos from earlier this year, and you'll see how big of a difference there is. Since then, my energy has increased. I feel more motivated. My libido and sex drive came back. I've been losing fat. I'm stronger and recovering faster from my workouts, and my hair is coming in thicker and it even stopped falling out. If my story resonates with you, I highly recommend you try BioPro Plus for yourself. When you feel it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And for a limited time, you can save $30 on your order by going to bioproteintech.com and entering discount code biohacks. That's B-I-O-P-R-O-T-E-I-N-T-E-C-H.com and discount code B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. Now back to the show. So with the electron charger, I mean, I've been fascinated by this after reading Healing is Voltage and, and mm. go, going deep down sort of the path as it pertains to our electromagnetic environment impacting our biochemical pathways. And But it does seem like the technology, and I'm not saying yours, I, I'm not familiar, but it does seem like the technology hasn't quite caught up yet. We don't have a way of measuring the redox status of the body and seeing that change in real time. And a lot of the earthing and grounding products, especially the ones that connect to the power grid can sometimes cause health issues for people and, and make them feel worse. Um, so it's, it's like, we're kind of figuring this out. Um, how did you develop the electron charger? What is it? How does it work? How does it differ or is it similar to PEMF technology, et cetera? Okay, so PEMF, and I have um, a PEMF and I love it, but PEMF wiggles your electrons around, but doesn't add them to you. And uh, almost every other machine I've ever seen will actually lower the amount of electrons you have in your body. Because anytime you run a current through someone or near someone, you, you create a vacuum that pulls electrons off. 
like I'm not a saying phone. not to right. I'm not saying not to use technology. I'm saying yeah. you have to understand that there is a cost in terms of your electrons, right? Mm-hmm. So um, electrons are coming off the sun to the solar wind, hit the atmosphere, go from the atmosphere through lightning strikes to the earth, and the earth is the source of electrons for us if we are barefoot, which we're not mostly. Mm-hmm. And so then we crystallize because we're disconnected from it. And then we even if we get on the earth, we can't absorb it anyway. So I said, okay, I love grounding, love the book. It's just not doing what I thought it was promising. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe more is better. You know, let's find out. So I'm like, well, how much more? So I took it up to 36,000 volts. And I'm like, wow, I'm feeling that in my hips and my teeth. Mm, that's a bit much. So I dropped it down. And so now the unit goes from between four and 18,000 volts at very low amperage. Uh, it's just... It's it's what grounding is, but orders of magnitude higher. I mean, billions and uh, the amount of power that comes out of this relative to what you can get out of the earth is not really comparable. Hmm. So the idea is um, the, the electron charger is basically a pump and it's attached to the, gra- to the, to the ground, which attached, attaches to the earth. And it's pulling the electrons out of the earth like you'd pull water out of a well and shooting at you like a fire hose. And, you know, the first month or two, I used it. I was addicted to it. You know, my partner was like, are you going to hurt yourself? You're on that three hours a day. I'm like, I can't get off. I just, my body won't let me stop using it. It felt Mm -hmm. so good. And then now, you know, two and a half years later, I don't have to use it every day. It's on the lowest setting. If I don't use it, it's not a big deal. At the beginning, if I didn't use it every day, I, I would crave it. Like, you know, you'd crave water if you're thirsty. My body was just dragging me back to the machine. And, you know, after six months of playing around with it, I uh, started making it available to clinicians and um, all sorts of kind of crazy, amazingly good things happened. So That's fascinating. So how, if someone's debating between getting, what type of PEMF device do you have? Uh, I have the Pulse Pro. It's like this $30,000 industrial unit. Oh, okay. Right. From Pulse Centers? Yeah, it's the one. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. So if someone's like, I'm debating between getting uh, a Pulse Center's Pulse Pro machine and an electron charger. How would you help them navigate that decision in terms of which one would be better suited to their needs? Oh, this is easy. If you can afford 30,000 for a good PMF, the electron charger is under two. So just add it to the mix. Yeah. Um, all right. But like, let's say I, I so the, the, the Pulse Center, like if you were in a practice, running a practice and you were seeing a lot of injuries, mm-hmm. that would go, um, the, the PEMF, because it, it can be focused on one body part and can accelerate injury healing. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I have the pulse unit here. I use it about once a week. I have the electron charger. I use it three times a day. Mm. And why do you use it three times a day? Just, well, because I'll just sit, I'll just relax and I'll put my feet on it and it feels nice. Mm-hmm. I'll take a nap with it on, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it doesn't interfere with sleep. It doesn't stimulate you in a way that you're not going to be able to sleep. Not me. I mean, I think most people have found that they sleep better. Mm-hmm. You know, our, so the human body was was evolved, if you believe in evolution, evolved uh, in an electron-free environment, right? We don't have the ability to store water because we grew up near rivers and places where there was water. And so you would always have access to water. We do have the ability to store food, which is why we get fat sometimes, because famines happen. We don't have the ability, unless you're a Tai Chi master, uh, to store electrons because we have always had all the electrons we could possibly want all the time, as long as your feet are on the ground. 
or you're sleeping in a tree, you're still getting it, right? Mm -hmm. So our, our metabolism, the metabolism of all nature, every cell, every life form, never developed the need to store electricity other than an electric eel because it was always there. And so all of our biochemistry works on the principle that there will always be electrons. You know, your, your Krebs cycle, all your, every, every, every system of your body says, oh, there are left electrons. I'll give you an example. Um, people are all, you know, will take antioxidants. Well, an antioxidant is a shuttle for an electron. And if you have lots of free electrons, that antioxidant can be recycled and be used over and over and over again. If you don't, then you get to use it once. The electron's gone and that's it. So I would rather have a normal level of antioxidants and a kick-ass number of electrons for them to move than low electrons and all the antioxidants in the world. So because our body was designed with free electrons in mind, when you pull those electrons away, you wear synthetic clothing, you wear shoes that are insulated, and you walk around on a carpet, you're three, you know, three stories off the ground, so you're isolated again, uh, and now you're at a, a positive voltage. Now you're actually having electrons pulled out of your body, you're not even neutral. Most people have electrons being stripped from them. And then the body's like, well, I haven't got all these electrons. What will I do? What do I need to triage? Well, okay, so if you take a balloon and you rub it against your your arm and you stick it on the wall, why is it sticking? Because the, the wall and the balloon are arguing over who gets to keep the electrons. It's not enough, right? So when there's not enough electrons, things start to stick together. They start to crystallize, they start to glue. All adhesion, all glue is basically an absence of electrons. So I don't want glue forming in my body. I don't want crystals forming. That includes like the viscosity forming. of your blood, right? Exactly, I want everything nice and clean and moving gracefully. And mm -hmm. that requires electrons. And if I had been born bare, if I were barefoot from the day I was born, I would never need this thing. I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Now I've got myself to the point where I could probably be barefoot now and not need it because I've got my batteries fixed. But realistically, you know, I'm I'm not going to live an Aboriginal lifestyle. So that's mm -hmm. the hack. Right, right. And speaking, go ahead. Oh no, please continue. Well, speaking of Aboriginal hacks, there's another one I'd like to share with you guys. All right, let's do that so, in one sec. I'm, I'm, I want to hear about how how do you measure your electron status. How do you quantify the benefits of, of this machine outside of how people feel? That's a tough one, right? Because, you know, you could do a biopsy with a very fine needle and measure, you know, micro volts across a cell. Maybe you might be able to do a little bit. No, you see, you couldn't even do it with, um, with uh, phase angle because that's really just measuring your capacitance. Right. I don't know. That's where I have a little bit of a hard time with this stuff because, like, I agree in theory and I'm familiar with the theory, but I'm like, how are we measuring this? And I no guess, one really has an answer. Well, but you know, we can't become so enamored with the scientific that we bypass the the the, the personally observant, uh, the personal observation. So, for instance, if you feel much much better doing something, mm -hmm. you don't have to know why. It's mm -hmm. nice to know why. It's great to know why because then maybe you can learn other things that'll feel good and you can amplify the effect. Mm -hmm. But it's enough to simply go this. This makes my body feel better. I sleep better. I'm in a better mood. I have less pain. I'm less sensitive. Wow, I'm peeing out all this cloudy stuff. I wonder what all, all, all that is. That's valuable data for an individual. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, more valuable to me than even some lab test. One of the things that happens with lab tests is doctors will treat the test, not the patient. They'll mm -hmm. be like, okay, your lab test look good. It looks good. And the, and the patient's worse, right? Mm -hmm. So the lab tests are there you know, as an indicator, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you certainly want the, the values to look good, but it can't be at the cost of, or in absence of, is your client, is your patient physically feeling 
and and functioning at a higher state of at a higher fun, at a higher level. Okay. And last question before the the um, Aboriginal <laughs> hacks. Um, what for for people that are listening that are wondering whether or not the electron charger might make sense for them? Hmm. Who are the people that you typically recommend this for who experience the greatest benefits? Well, you know, the older somebody is, the the worse their batteries tend to get. So, you know, do you need it at 20? Probably not. At 40, maybe. At 50, yeah. At 60, absolutely. At 70, you're gonna love it. You know, um, if, do you live at a, you know, the higher, if you live on the, in a, at a high rise apartment, if you're around a lot of electronics all the time, mm -hmm. I mean, optimally you would just try it once and see how you feel. And then if you feel fantastic, there you go, you know, um, but you may not have access to that. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Let's talk about uh, Aboriginal, Aboriginal hack. Right. So <laughs> once I realized that, you know, that was one Aboriginal hack, I wanted to be barefoot like an Aboriginal without being barefoot. I'm like, well, what, what else do I want to do? I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, so how about the food? All right. Well, in the last 10,000 years, um, we have selectively bred food in a way that's a little bit different, right? We've selected the bitters out of our food and made them sweeter. An apple, a grape from 2,000 years ago, or carrot was bitter. Well, the bitter is all the medicine. So we've selectively taken all the medicines out. Mm. Now, the other thing is almost nobody has a gar home garden, so the food you're eating is not fresh. By the time you harvest food, three hours later, the essential oils are gone. Now, the essential oils are how the plants defend themselves against you know, parasites, fungi, bacteria, cancer. They get all the same troubles we do, but they can't move, so they have to fight it biochemically. Now, because we've been eating plants, and we could talk about a carnivore diet too, if you like, but because plants are part of our diet for so long, we've outsourced some of our, our immune system to plant defense chemicals. We say, okay, I'm, I know I'm going to be getting a certain amount of essential oils and bitters from the plants. I, and so that's the immune, that's part of, that's an, ex, ex, um, an exported and outsourced immune system for you. It's doing it for you. And when you don't eat that, you don't get some of that. So like, um, think about Rasputin, right? He was the guy in the, in the, Rus in the Russian royal court. And they tried to kill this guy. He was an herbalist and they tried to poison him and they could not do it. Um, the reason they couldn't poison him is because as an herbalist, he was eating a lot of bitter things. And if you eat a lot of bitter things, hormetically, you upregulate your detox capacity and you become you know, virtually impossible to, not impossible. They couldn't, they couldn't poison the guy and they could barely kill him. He was, he was so strong and it made him almost like a superhuman. I'm like, I want to be like Rasputin. I want to be tough to kill. How do I do that? So what I did is I said, okay, I'm going to recreate as a supplement what I would be eating as an Aboriginal, uh, as, an, as a primitive human. So I want the essential oils and I want the bitters. Now, in terms of essential oils, there's about 500 of them that are available. And when you go and you screen them all, there's maybe eight that are edible uh, long-term. I came down, I think four of them that I said, okay, I feel these are safe to take on a, on a regular basis. And I put them in a product called Zoibin along with two bitters, the two most bitter substances you know, that exist, gentian and berberine. And we put those in. And the thing about gentian and berberine is they, the body thinks they're toxic, but they're actually not. They look like they're toxic because they're bitter, but they're non-toxic. So you the body then goes, oh, I must have some toxins coming in. I better get this upregulated detox capacity. And that's that Rasputin effect that I'm looking for. And the product's called Zoibin. It's a mixture of essential oils and bitters. And we have a lot of fun with that. And, you know, just um, be mindful that if you take it and you see something wriggling in the toilet afterwards, don't freak out. Lots of people have worms. It's not a big deal. Interesting. Know. And this is all at remedylink.com. I'm looking yeah. at 
zoibin right now, which yeah. which you have and as and you mentioned it's a parasite and biofilm detox. Um, but also but this still has benefits for people that aren't that maybe have done parasite cleanses and are just looking to um experience some of the upregulation of their detox pathways via those bitters and and other uh polyphenols. Exactly. It's it's a biohack that will give you the diet of quote unquote a primitive person without it, which takes me to the next. I didn't now that I'm thinking about it, I have a lot of primitive human recreation hacks. I, I never even thought about it this way, but I guess I did. There's another one. Um, so the microbiome, a lot of people talk about it. Um, you know, a lot of people think that the gut's your second brain. It's not your second brain, it's your first brain. It was here first. You know, we had, you know, animals had guts before they had brains, before they had livers, before they had pancreases, before it was originally the first microorganism, basically, you know, cells, elongated tubes became guts. Guts mm. were the first animals, worms, right? Mm. And then we specialized with the brain and with hands and feet and the liver and, and lungs and a heart and everything specialized out. So every, you know, everything that your, 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 the rest of your body does to some degree, your gut has a capacity, had the original capacity. So your gut, you know, it's got three times, three times the weight of your brain and, and it is an information processing unit. It's got, it is larger, heavier by weight than all of your glands added together. That's your thymus, your spleen, your, uh, your testes, your, th your thyroid, you know, all of your glands, um, not, not necessarily your spleen, sorry, you know, your endocrine glands. Um, it has more DNA than your own DNA. It's got a thousand times more DNA than your own genetics. So when someone says, oh, I took a 23andMe and I don't methylate, I'm like, so not a big deal. Your gut can methylate for you. Um, it's, uh, it is the, it is the, it's the guard, it's your physical guardian angel. It's the best friend. It's the most powerful ally at a biological level you've ever had. And we don't treat it very well. And so the microbiome is basically these bacteria, fungi, and parasites. Hopefully it's just bacteria and bacteriophages, but in a lot of people, it's a mix of a bunch of things in their gut doing, you know, living there. And in a healthy microbiome, it's detoxifying, it's regulating all of your systems of your body. It's regulating your blood sugar. You think your pancreas regulates your blood sugar? Your microbiome is running the show. It's regulating all your neurotransmitters. It's regulating all your sex hormones. Someone says, oh, you know, I don't make dopamine. I don't feel rewarded in life, or I don't make enough serotonin. I'm not satisfied. Dopamine and serotonin and adrenaline were all created by bacteria. These are bacterial signals that the microbiome started. And then we then said, hey, those are very interesting signals. Let's work with them. And so it's a set, it, the first, the first groups to use these things with the microbiome, the bacteria, they're the masters. They're the ones who wrote that original script. And if we want to be able to balance and modulate all that, the microbiome has to be rolling, but we don't feed it. Now, what the microbiome eats is sugars we can't digest. So uh, if you were eating a primitive diet with lots of fiber, you would be getting, and, and, and digging up tubers, you'd be getting all these things like xylo-oligosaccharide, galacto-oligosaccharide, fructo-oligosaccharide, chitin-oligosaccharide, there's um, uh, isomalto, uh, there's all of these, I got a thing I figure out about eight of them. All these different sugars that we can't digest that would be in primitive food that is what the microbiome wants. It, it's not competing with you. It's taking your leftovers. But because we don't eat food like we used to, <clears throat> we don't have these sugars in our diet. The microbiome is barely hanging on by its fingernails trying to do all these things for you. And it, there's a lot it will do if you'll let it, um, but we don't feed it. And so I wanted to, to uh, make a, a, something to feed the microbiome. 
And I looked around and the products that were out there, they'd have one or two prebiotics in them. And I'm like, no, there's like eight of them. I want them all. So I recreated what I thought would those eight and the ratio that you would eat if you were primitive. If you were, you'd get the occasional bit of wild honey, you might collect some seaweed. And I said, okay, this is the diet of an early human. This is the ratio of prebiotics they would be eating. This is what my microbiome probably wants. And let me tell you what happened. Two things. One, so for myself, it was kind of wild. Um, I started getting stronger. Like, you know, I'm able to put more weight, more weights on at the gym. Um, I'm getting smarter. My chess game, I play chess online. My chess rating's going up. Um, my balance has gotten better. I have never been able to dance or stand on one foot. I'd always fall over because of a, a head injury when I was, you know, during childbirth. Well, I started taking the prebiotics. Suddenly I can stand on one foot and I can dance. A bit late, but hey, better now than never, better late than never. And then the last thing is I live off grid. So, you know, I'm constantly using my hands and, and you know, getting cut and scraped and whatever. And I noticed that over the last 10 years, my skin would rip easier and easier. After I started taking these things, uh, the product's called Panaceum, um, my skin didn't tear anymore. There's one time I'm like, oh my God, I just really gashed my foot. I better go and I might need stitches. And I look at it, the skin didn't rip, it was just red. And so I'm thinking, Anthony, stronger smarter, skin that doesn't rip, and better balance. What do these all have in common? Would you like to guess? Um, I'm not sure. These are all things that get worse with age, mm. right? So I'd hacked myself and I, my body was actually, my microbiome was making me younger. It was amazing. Interesting. So, so there's a possible theory of aging here that involves uh, deterioration or decline for any variety of reasons of the microbiome. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Quantity and diversity. So here's an interesting trick, right? You can certainly do a fecal test. And I think you, if you have the money, $500, it'll tell you all the bacteria and the pH, yada, yada, yada. Here's a simple one. Um, and just because you pass this test doesn't mean you don't, your microbiome doesn't need help. But how much toilet paper do you need when you go to the bathroom? You shouldn't need any. No healthy animal soils itself. The more toilet paper you need, the sicker your gut. And one of the things that people um, will tell me after taking Panaceum is, I know you said what happened. I didn't believe you. I don't need toilet paper. I'm like, that's the microbiome coming back online. Now, for some people, they've lost so many of the keystone species, they need more intervention. But at least, you know, most people have bacteria there. They're just dormant. If you feed it, <coughs> if you feed the microbiome, the sugars, that's all it's asking for. It'll switch online and be the best friend you've ever had. Interesting. So this, it doesn't, this isn't a hardening of the stool that we're talking mm -hmm. about that's resulting in, in someone not needing to wipe, but what, what's taking place there? You're getting better um, uh, mucus formation in the colon, in the wall. You're getting um, more, the short chain fatty acids are changing. The gas production is changing. The, the type of bacteria that are in there are changing so as to give you a healthy stool. Um, you're getting a better bi uh, fill, um, mucosal lining of the gut. And when all those things start to improve and the pH normalizes and all these things improve, one of the things that you will see is a well-formed stool with no toilet paper required. Right? I like feel like I can, I can agree that sounds like a great thing. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd rather, if, you just, if you just sold it as like, uh, uh, you, you take this and uh, you won't have to wipe, I'm like, I'm interested. All right. You know, um, <laughs> so like if you, are on a, if you are a farmer and someone was wanting to sell you a horse, you know, you'd look in two places, right? 
You look at the teeth to see how recessed the gums are because they don't lie. It's not long in the tooth. This horse isn't five years old. It's 10. What are you telling me? Right. (laughs) And then you go around and you lift up the tail and you look at the horse's backside to see if it soils itself. Mm. Because any animal that soils itself has a sick gut. Mm. Right. Well, we are all interested. The fact that we need toilet paper. What is that saying? We've all got sick guts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And so, yeah. Very interesting. That's that's a fun hack. Yeah. Why do you live off grid? I mean, I'm I just bought 65 acres and yeah. um, an RV. I bought an RV last week too. I've been cleaning it up the past few days. It's yeah. equipped with solar. Um, I have my reasons. I'm curious what yours are. Well, good on you. It's a lot of fun, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, for two reasons. One, um, you know, ten years ago, I was um, I still had kids that were you know, I was responsible for, you know, my kids are in their twenties now, but when they were younger, I was responsible for them. And I thought, well, gosh, you know, um, if, if society, you know, if you take a look at the long arc of human civilization and society, you know, we're living in a really amazing time. You know, we're not in war, we're not in famine at that point in time, you know, you know, there was no pan, you know, the pandemic or whatever we want to call it happened. It has taken place, but that's not normally what the human experience has been on this planet. Normally, the human experience has been a little tough, a little rough. Um, and I'm like, all right, so I'm, I'm, I want to be responsible. Let me just get a little, a little piece of a piece of land, and that way, if things get a little awkward for a little while, I have a place. Um, I, I'm, I don't have that mindset anymore. Um, one because um, I don't, you know, I'm not fearful as I was when I was younger. That's mm-hmm. not an element of my personality anymore. Uh, and also, I'm not responsible for kids. Mm-hmm. But what I found over the last 10 years is I really enjoy it. I enjoy the the challenge of um, setting up a solar, you know, setting up your batteries and your solar array and mm-hmm. growing food and raising animals and learning how to run a backhoe and watching an orchard grow from little trees to producing fruit. Um, I like, I, I enjoy the process as a, mm-hmm. someone who grew up in a city. I, I'm at the polar opposite now. I am responsible for you know, everything. If if I want water, if I want heat, if I want electricity to stay, it's because, you know, I'm the one who's making it happen. And it's a, it's an enjoyable challenge. Yeah. I like it. I've, I've found it to be like one of the most enjoyable and fun, expansive experiences I've, I've participated, you know, frustrating at times. And, mm. and yeah, it, it totally depends where you're coming from. Um, and, and I think especially early on in 2020, I was coming at it from the wrong place mm-hmm. that, you know, it's like, oh, I need to get an off-grid spot and get out of their systems of control. And that's not really as productive as like, nah, I need more nature in my life. And mm-hmm. I am nature and uh, living in a concrete square in a high rise in downtown Chicago is no longer aligned with uh, what really allows me to feel alive physically, mentally, and spiritually. Yeah. I mean, when you wake up in the morning and you, you know, or and you go out and you pick some fresh fruit and you hike around and you know your animals are with you and the birds are going and the, the sun is rising and the air is fragrant. And I was like, oh, this is good. I like this. What what's like one or two things that you would do different if if you were kind of starting in this more self-sufficient lifestyle, like a mistake you've made or an animal you oh would get. Oh my god, get there's so many of them. I could, you know, I've, I've you know, we could talk for an hour just on that and I'm happy to do it. Um yeah. maybe we'll do a part uh, two or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean you have to learn how to it depends, you know, how far off grid do you want to be? If you want to get completely off grid, then you know you you know you may need a back you may need to learn how to run a backhoe. We bought um, an, I gonna, bought an excavator in 2021. Right. So learn how to run PEX plumbing. 
Um, What's you know, that? Yeah, <laughs> you'll find out. <laughs> P-E-X plumbing, you know, I mean, you, you know, you could break it down to the main things like um, a dog is really good, but you know, um, you, know, you need two, but don't get them both at the same time or you get puppy litter, sy- litter syndrome. And, um, okay, so here's one thing. Every, whatever you build, keep water in mind. It will mm-hmm. rain. Where's that rain going to go? You build a concrete pad and you don't put it for your coop, for your chicken coop, but you don't put it at a slight angle. What's that going to happen? What, where's the ring going to It's going to, your coop's going to get around. Okay. So always mm-hmm. be thinking, what does this look like in a different season? What does this look like during rain season? That, mm-hmm. that would be my advice. But like I've that. got a few more hacks if you want to, if you. Yeah, wanna, yeah, let's do it. You ready for a few more? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but I mean, yeah, we could talk, uh, we could talk for hours on, on off-grid. I'm happy to do it. I'd love to share it. Okay. So if you guys, if you guys like it, you want more of that stuff, let us know and uh, we'll do a part two. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's lots of things that, you know, you only learn after 10 years of expensive mistakes that exactly. I would love to say, yeah, that I'd love to save. And I'd I like can to... tell you how to get 20 acres for 300 bucks too, with a mining claim. So really? that's a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of fun tricks. Right. Okay. Anyway. So, um, we talked about hormetic stressors, right? And so do you know, ever heard of a term heat shock proteins? Mm-hmm. Okay. So heat shock proteins are these little proteins um, that the body makes in response to heat. That's how we first found out about them, but really any kind of stress, heat, cold, oxygen, exercise, any kind of stress that will damage um, proteins or fats in the body. So what heat shock proteins are is the response, is the way the body, I want to say this, proteins and fats are fragile. They can break, they can go rancid, they can oxidize, they can misfold, they can cause problems. And the body needs to be able to make them, recognize when they're made wrong and fix them or break them down again. And then the ones that break, that were made correctly, but then break, how to get rid of those. And it does it with something called heat shock proteins. Um, Now, there's a couple of ways to raise heat shock proteins, right? Fasting is the number one way to raise heat shock proteins. It's the best global metabolic hormetic you can do, right? However, not everybody has 10 to 14 days because three days isn't a fast. Three days is a cleanse. Fasts start on day four and don't really get kicking in until day seven. And you don't want to... So, I mean, if you want to do a fast, give yourself at least 10 days. Not that there's anything wrong with doing shorter ones, but you're not going to really go deep into the autophagy and the detox until day seven. And then it's about three days for it to flush out. And are you, you've done that, I take it. Yeah. And did you do water only? Did you do dry fast? What was your- Oh God, never do a dry fast. That's a terrible idea and terrible in the kidneys. You want to wreck your kidneys, that's how you do it. No, you always do um, do spring or spring water, or you can also add a little bit of sea salt in there if you like, if it feels right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I mean, I did a five day water only and Mm -hmm. my productivity was pretty rough pretty low yeah Yeah. you just got to kind of plan for that well for the first fast you do like by the time you get to your third or fourth fast you'll be fine um Mm -hmm. but you're still you know you're still you never got through that initial childhood you probably took antibiotics as a kid right you probably never got to the point where you started dumping the all the antibiotics you took out of you so Mm. um yeah your first fast just be like i Two, two weeks and I'm not going to expect anything of myself, which is why I'm going to take you to the next hormetic, which is sauna, right? That's the easiest hormetic. You can just do it in a, in a hot bath. Mm-hmm. You know, take your bathtub to as hot as you can handle it, right? And then you're done in 30 minutes. That's the best detox in terms of speed. I'm uh, sorry, that's the best hormetic for speed and for detox, right? Are you the at all concerned time, about what's in tap water? Do you not I worry about that? Water. I don't drink it at all. I wouldn't. 
I certainly but I mean the bats for the bats. Well, I'll, 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 let me rephrase it. Um, yeah. So I, I say that as someone who has his own water, you know, has his own water supply. Exactly. So have, someone listening that's just running tap water into a bath, they're going to have a very different experience than you. Right? Uh, I don't know. It'll be that different, but yes. Um, filter any water you drink or bathe in. Okay. I agree. I'm, I'm totally in agreement. And I think it's, it's an amazing detox. I just wanted to make that clarification for people that, that might be thinking water is water is water. My bad. Thank you for correcting that. <laughs> no, no, I didn't I, mean to, I didn't mean to no, correct no, yeah. you. It was, it was more like that's because like, if you tell people, Hey, drink more water and one person's filtering it and the other people aren't, it's, two different situations. It's you know? two different situations. So yeah, yeah. I, it, I didn't mean that as like a correction. No, 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 it, it was, it was an oversight of mine and I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so, so, um, so saunas or, or hot tub or bathtub, right? Everybody's got a bathtub. Even if you don't have a thousand dollar infrared sauna, you could, you have a bathtub typically. So mm -hmm. you could do that. The next one would be EWAT with heated clothing. You know what EWAT is? Mm -hmm. Exercise so, with EWAT oxygen. Is, exercise with oxytherapy, right? So you're breathing, you got an oxygen tank or a bag. If you don't, uh, and you and you fill it in an uh, oxygen tank or a concentrator. It fills the big bag, and you breathe it in, so you can breathe as much as you want while you're on an exercise bike or something. That's exercise with oxygen therapy, and so um, that. And if you go and get some motorcycle heated clothing, so you want to ride your mo your bike out in wintertime, they have clothing or socks and pants and jacket mm. where it's it'll plug into a 12 volt battery of your motorcycle. In this case, you just get a 12 volt power supply and you heat yourself up, right? Really? Oh yeah. And so now you've got the heat. And you've got the oxygen and you've got exercise. You've got three world-class heat shock protein inducers. Should make pedals that uh, hook up to the electron charger. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so that is that is a fun hack to mix the three of those together. E-watt with heated clothing. Okay, but not everybody makes heat shock proteins. Uh, some people overproduce them. And these are the people that are have a more of a risk of cancer because cancer cells, one of the reasons they're so hard to kill, and we could do a whole talk on cancer, is because they overproduce heat shock proteins. So they're very hard to kill. They're very resistant to, to, to stressors. Um, and some people don't make, a, uh, so people who make too many heat shock proteins, they, they tend towards cancer. But people who don't make enough tend towards neurologic disorders. That would be Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS, MS, senility, yada, yada. And What's going on is, as we age, we the 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 parts of the body that make proteins. All right, proteins can misfold for a number of reasons. Normally, okay, what you have with the protein is you have these amino acids. You have the DNA that instructs the uh, ribosome to spit out a series of amino acids, which then the endoplasmic reticulum. So now it's a string. The endoplasmic reticulum then folds it three times, right? It, it either makes it into a sheet, which is something else, or it makes it into like a, so like either a ribbon or a spiral. That's your, that's your first fold. And then it folds it again, and then it folds it again, or adds it, adds, adds to another one. And that gives you your, your final proteins, right? So, um, most proteins that are made are pretty darn stable. You know, they're not going to fall into another form, but there are some proteins, the ones that are associated with the nervous system that they are not all that stable. They can actually fall into another form. And what I mean by that is, um, uh, like, uh, you know what an obelisk is? Like a long, mm -hmm. like the Washington Monuments? Mm -hmm. Okay, so imagine you're in-, in, in uh, These, these, these phallic-looking constructs, yeah. architectural right. Imagine aspects. you're in Egypt and you see a pyramid next to an obelisk, which mm -hmm. will be there in 10,000 years, the same way you found it. I don't know of any really old obelisks. Yeah, because they fall down. Yeah. Because they're not in their most stable form, right? The mm -hmm. most stable form is the pyramid. It's already fallen. That can't fall mm -hmm. anymore. That's mm -hmm. a really stable shape. The obelisk 
has another shape. It can go pow, crash, mm-hmm. and that shape is more stable. So mm-hmm. most proteins are like pyramids. They're stable. They don't crash to another shape. Neurologic proteins can crash to another shape. And that's the problem because what happens is the fat-soluble part of the inside of the protein sticks out now, and now you have a fat-soluble protein. Well, mm-hmm. fat-soluble things are hard to get rid of because um, they're toxic. And these, so now you have these toxic fat-soluble pro- um, broken proteins. And there's another name for that. It's called prions. Now, people think that prions are only mad cow disease. Nope. There's 50 different, uh, any kind of, anytime you have a protein that misfolds, it's a prion. And there's 50 different diseases and counting mostly neurologic that we now know are associated with misfolded proteins. Now, the heat shock Mm. proteins are the ones that are supposed to get rid of the prions. But if, as you get older, you make less heat shock proteins, or you just aren't the kind that makes a lot, or the place that the heat shock protein is trying to take it to get broken down, the lysosome is already plugged up and not working properly because it's stuffed to the gills with toxic fat and proteins, then these things build up. And you've heard of amyloid plaque, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's prions. So all of these neurologic problems have these plaques that are forming that the body can't get rid of. So there's two problems. One, you've got these toxic plaques that are building everywhere, causing problems and getting in the way. And two, the thing that they were supposed to do, they're not doing. If they were supposed to support a nerve or bring blood to a nerve or whatever, well, they're not doing it anymore. So it's not just the plaque. It's what the, it's not just the presence of the plaque, but it's the absence of what the plaque was before it turned into plaque. That structure is mm-hmm. gone. And this is what gives you Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS, MS, senility. Now, glyphosates combined with metals will cause prions. Prions will cause an initial misfolding inside the, and then the glyphosate comes around and it causes a secondary misfolding. And now you got a prion, which takes us back to glyphosates. It's one of the reasons I can't stand them. The other is glyphosates were originally patented as antibiotics and they wreck the microbiome. Mm -hmm. So, we need to find a way to get these prions out. Okay. Now, neuro- start with not putting the glyphosate in. Yeah. yeah. Decreasing the heavy metals or getting them out with some yes. of your products that we've been discussing. But what do you do if you're a little bit late to the party? Now you've already got them in there. Okay. Now, um, senility starts, all these early neurogenerative disorders start 20 years before you have your first symptom. Mm-hmm. When are symptoms normally starting? 70. What does that mean? They're start- when, what does that mean? The problem is starting. Probably 50, 40. Starting in your 50s. If you're in your 50s, now is when you work on these things. Today, you start working on senility. Today, you work on Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Because you try to work on it at a 70, it's a little bit more difficult, right? Because what happens is some of the architecture has already been damaged. And repairing damaged architecture of the brain and the nerves at 70 is hard. Mm. Better not to let it happen. Because one of the things that happens with prions is you have a, uh, let's say, here's a, a normal cell, a normal protein, right? And this is the prion. Boom. Now we have two prions. And these two prions bump into two more things. And now you have four of them. It's Mm -hmm. catalytic. It's a catalytic toxin. Remember I said Mm -hmm. there's some toxins that will create more toxins and it doesn't get used up. Prions are in that category. They are biologic catalytic poisons. Okay. So how do you get rid of that? What you need is a synthetic heat shock protein. Okay. So sugar donuts to the rescue. There are things called cyclodextrins. There are these tiny little sugar donuts, either seven or eight sugars in a ring. And the size of the ring is just the right size for grabbing onto the little fat-soluble part of the prion so you can piss it out. Thank goodness, right? These things are generally recognized as safe. You're already eating them in tiny amounts because they're already in the food supply. And in high amounts, if you know how to get them into the body and you know which ones to use, 
they can be used. Uh, alpha cyclodextrins will bind to prions, which is what is causing Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, MS, and basically uh, all these alpha things. cyclodextrin. That's the six ring sugar. What what were these created for? For what purpose? That's a great question. No one's ever asked me that. I like that question, Anthony. Okay, so what they do? Well, they're created in nature. They happen naturally. But what we made them for is to protect um, drugs. They make drugs more soluble, so you can stick a drug in that little ring, and it'll carry it into the body. So right? this was commercially made by the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, I think it was probably made by the food industry first, because you can use it to um, protect. Um, like taste, uh, flavors and fragrances and, uh, scents. I'm going to be honest. We, I got some red flags going off. Okay. <laughs> sure. So, uh, cyclodextrins, uh, will break down when they, cyclodextrins have two outcomes in the body. 97% of it is urinated out intact. The other 3% turns into carbon dioxide and water. Okay. So they're, they're incredibly non-toxic. Where are they made I, in nature? Uh, you'll find them in, in like beer and bread. Uh, enzymatic conversion of certain starches, you'll find them, in, but you're seeing them in tiny amounts. And who's done the research telling us they're safe that makes oh God, you I mean, feel like, comfortable with we, them? Well, I mean, they've been in the food supply for, I don't know how many decades, right? They are in what's called the general, generally recognized as safe category. Now, having yeah. said that, there are some things that are generally recognized as safe. I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. Like exactly. Artificial colors and flavors. Yeah. But we've already done the LD50s on these. And the amount you would have to take to cause a problem is... I think you'd be, I think you'd actually hurt yourself with table salt faster than you would with uh, cyclodextrins. Have like, they used them in Alzheimer's studies or neurodegenerative? Well, research? they do them, they, they do on mice, right? Yeah. And I don't feel like waiting. Yeah. Um, they have, they have, there, there are human studies, absolutely. And I can share those with you. Um, it's just, what I'm sharing with you is something that I suspect will be standard of care in 20 years. Well, I'm Interesting. just telling you about okay. it before, you know, like before it, yeah. Have you um, tried because, them on yourself? Oh yeah. Um, because they're not patentable, you're never going to see them really get pushed. Right. Right. So let me tell you about the beta cyclodextrins and I'll say it, then I'll tell you how to get them. Yeah. Beta cyclodextrins are a little bit bigger. Right. Now that's dealing with so remember what I told you the, the hacks you want to deal with is cancer stroke, cancer, heart attack, and uh, senility. Alpha mm -hmm. cyclodextrins, I feel like senility, I'm not concerned with it anymore. Mm -hmm. So now you're left with heart attacks and cancer. Cancer is a whole other hour-long talk we could get into. And actually has something, um, it's a whole other ball of wax. And if you want, and your audience is interested, we can do a deep dive on that one. Heart attacks, why, how does it happen? Okay, so we have this genetic problem. We don't make vitamin C, you're not very well. And we are one of the few animals that uh, doesn't make vitamin C. And all the animals that don't make vitamin C have a tendency to get plaque in the arteries. So, you know, yes, take more vitamin C, but what do you do when it's already there? What happens is cholesterol starts and toxic fats start building up in the arteries, in the artery wall. Plaque isn't like junk inside the pipe, right? It's in the wall of the pipe, right? It's not like the mineral deposits that you can rinse out. It's actually in the, in the tissue. And what happens is you have these, these fats that the body just can't get rid of. It can't get them out. They've gotten oxidized and rancid. The lysosomes, which are the parts of the body that break things down, they're stuffed to the gills they can't do anymore. The heat shock proteins aren't moving them around. The body's just like, I cannot deal with all this toxic crap that I'm dealing with. And so the white, the macrophages, the immune system cells says, well, I have some lysosomes. My lysosomes aren't full. Let me bring them to the party and see if we can help out. They come and they try to get deal with the toxic fat. And it's like you and I trying to eat an elephant with one bite. Not gonna happen. 
they die, they explode. When they die, they send out chemoattractants to other macrophages saying, hey, there's a problem here, I need backup, and they come and they try to deal with it, and they die, and they explode. And these exploded cells are called foam cells, and that's what makes up arterial plaque. It is the dead bodies of your immune system along with fat. Now, beta cycle- Do you think that there's have like toxic metals in there? Oh yeah, so, well, that's what started the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> the, 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 the reason why the reverse tra cholesterol transport started crashing, the reason why the fat started going rancid was toxicity, which is what starts, the, it's upstream of the whole thing. But once that has started, even if we pull all the metals and all the chemicals out, once that plaque process has started, it can keep going on its own. Okay, which, gotcha. Okay, which is why chelation won't always be enough for some people. Mm -hmm. Okay, making sense. Okay, so now you've got these, so now the, so what happens is, what we need to do is we need to go and clean out the lysosomes so they can burn this stuff up. It's like the incinerator of the cell. You know, it's just, it's all blocked up. And we need to resilibilize these crystals so they can get liquid enough so that number one, the white blood cells can take them. And number two, we can pee them out. Cy beta cyclodextrins, the one with seven in the sugar ring, is the right size to grab onto these toxic fats. And so in animal studies, we're seeing plaque get washed away. Okay. So when I read about that and knowing that I don't ever want to go senile and knowing that I don't, I don't really have a test now for senility other than I notice, wow, you know, I, so, sometimes I have a little trouble with recalling the right word. And sometimes mm -hmm. I walk into a room and like, why did I go in there? So mm -hmm. I'm starting to think like, God, is this what senility is like this very early edge? So mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start working on senility now. And I have an ultrasound machine. I've got lots of medical equipment. And mm -hmm. so I look at my carotid artery and I'm like, oh, wow, look, there's a little bit of plaque in there, right? How did you know, I get that? You know that? your APOE status out of curiosity? No, I don't. Never. I don't. Oh, I was just curious. Um, as we're, we're all connecting these data points, but um, APOE is yeah. a genetic variant that if you have one variation of E4, I think it's seven times increased risk of Alzheimer's. E4, E4, if you have two, it's somewhere around 20. Yeah. Um, it, it'd just be an interesting data point for us to be able to have these conversations because I'm... Uh, I, I resonate with a lot of what you're describing and have a dad with Parkinson's. So like we're all kind of figuring it out in real time. Anyway, please continue. I was right, just curious so, if, if you knew yours. So that would add I don't. to the conversation. So the, the, the issue with these neurologic prion issues is they go exponential. Mm -hmm. right? Two, four, eight, 16, 32. So it's really important to start to, to bind to these prions as soon as possible so that at least you're not getting continued architectural degeneration of the brain. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, you got to try to regenerate the person. <clears throat> so I said, okay, I don't, I don't want to go through senility and I'm seeing I have a little bit of plaque. So I mixed together some alpha and beta cyclodextrin. And I looked at my artery uh, a month later and it was down 5%. Now you might say, well, what's 5%? That's nothing. If you study plaque and atherosclerosis, a 5% drop in plaque in a month is unheard of. It's huge. So I was pretty happy. Um, and so the question is, if I could do that 5% in one month, what would 12 months look like, right? So uh, we make a product called albidextrin on our website, Alba, Al alpha beta dextrin, alpha beta cyclodextrin, and it has both of those in it because, you know, why would I give you one cyclodextrin? I don't know which one you need, and you might need both, and it's certainly not going to hurt you. You'll just pee them out if you don't use them. And the ones you do, the ones you, that you don't absorb, they're actually a prebiotic. They feed your bacteria. So it's a win-win-win. So we do make that product, and that's sort of like my most recent hack. Um, 
I, Which I product is that? Up. I'm sorry, what's that? It's the albidextrin product. Oh, and that's got both the alpha and alpha the beta. Alpha cyclodextrin. And so what, what dose, like when you're taking that, what dosage are you taking? So, um, you know, initially, because I wanted to see what it would do to me, I was taking two tablespoons a day. Uh, and that was a pretty intense dose. And the first day I took it, it, it knocked me on my ass. Okay. And not in a bad way, but I had to lay down. And mm -hmm. um, I had the simultaneous feeling that something amazing was happening and it was a little hard. And I don't, I don't quite, that's the best way I can explain it. My body was like, yay, thank you, thank you. Okay, hang on for the ride. Well, it is kind of like that with a lot of good things. Yeah. Like um, maybe one small I, step back for two steps forward, if you will. Exactly. And I had a little bit of a fatty liver because I was given some really nasty pharmaceuticals when I was young and it caused mm -hmm. some liver damage. So, you know, the first place that cyclodextrins go is they clean out the lysosomes in your, in your immune system and your circulating white blood cells. Then they hit the liver and they start cleaning out the liver and then they get into the, the plaque and then they get into the blood brain barrier because it's, it takes a while to cross the blood brain barrier. They will cross the blood brain barrier because we're really tiny. It's slow. So, you know, that's another reason to come early to the game when you're dealing with um, senility issues because you want to get it in across the blood barrier as soon as you can. So I think it was hitting my liver and starting to break down all that junk in the liver because it hit me and I felt it right there. Second day, I felt it. I still had to lay down. Third day, I just had to sit down. Fourth day, sat down. Fifth day, I was standing when I took it. And by the 10th time I took it, I didn't feel anything at all, which to me is what I want to feel out of a detox. I wanted to kick my ass, but progressively less on each day. And that's my sign that this is mm -hmm. a detox that's working and not, yeah, a yeah. and not a toxic reaction. So that is a pretty good benchmark. But that and definitely happened. Now you've had, you've used it with people since then. And what now is the protocol that you recommend? We're, we are just starting right now. We're still in the, I'm making it available, but we don't really have a, a, a firm grasp on, on how this is going to play out. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you get albedection, you're, you're, you're getting it as, okay. Um, I, it, it, it's safe. And will this help? I'm not quite sure yet. We don't know how much, we don't know how long, you know, that's going to take another three or four months uh, worth of um, testing and feedback from the clinicians that are taking it. Have so. you observed any tangible changes in your own cognitive performance? Huh. Well, you know, I took it for a month and then I stopped because I ordered some um, very, uh, some uh, expensive lab equipment and I wanted to test myself before and after and I wanted to give myself a washout period. So mm -hmm. I took it and then I stopped. What I noticed was my nerves felt a lot better mm -hmm. when I was taking it. Um, I just felt better in general. I don't know quite how to put my, wrap my finger around it. Just things just felt like sharper, clearer, better. It's hard to say. It, it was weird. It's very interesting. I'm I'm certainly interested by it. It was a very global effect. I couldn't point to one thing and say, what did that? It was just like, oh, yeah, this is. Mm -hmm. this well, especially when you start thinking in, in context of stacking interventions, right? Mm -hmm. So what about IV chelation or suppository chelation along with addressing the prions with alpha and, and beta cyclodextrons and, and that right. sort of thing? Absolutely. Gentle exercise, fasting for 12 hours between at least 12 hours between dinner and your first meal the next day. Like you start putting these things together and it gets very interesting, you know? Yeah. You know, I can tell you a couple of other hacks I do. Um, yeah. One is I breathe in carbon dioxide. 
I actually got a patent for it. <laughs> um, most people, uh, if you've done your blood work, your carbon dioxide, you want it to be around 27. At 25, it starts to get a little wonky. At 24, you start to feel a little off. At 21, people are looking at you and wondering what's wrong. Um, it's not. It was. It's been ignored by the medical industry because they assume that you're just hyperventilating because you don't. You're afraid of getting your blood drawn. But um, if CO2 goes down, it dysregulates the whole system. Ammonia starts mm -hmm. rising. You'll often find that that happens with people's in Parkinson's. Parkinson's is very similar to ammonia toxicity, ammonia poisoning, because they can't turn ammonia into urea because they don't have enough carbon dioxide in their bloodstream. So I'm working on a small handheld device that you can use to uh, raise carbon dioxide levels. Uh, I'll tell you about that in a bit. What about breathing um, in a paper bag? No, because then you're you're mostly you're you're getting less oxygen. You're recycling lung toxins. You're not getting enough carbon dioxide to really do anything. Mm. So okay, okay. And, and then um, what about like um, breath retention? You know, doing yeah, like Wim Hof style breath work with breath holds and stuff. Yes, and I can get there with a client much faster by breathing in like uh, double digit. You know, like twenty percent carbon dioxide or something like that with eighty percent oxygen. I can do it much faster with that, with much less suffering, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Yes, you can do Wim Hof style stuff, but the average client won't do that. Mm -hmm. And if you can do it without the pain, right? It's the, you know, um, definitely interesting. Yeah. Cause what you can do is you can, um, you can have the car, the CO2 and the oxygen. It doesn't have to be either, or I'm a big fan of pranayama, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's smarter to just isolate it and give them the CO2. And what you do is you change the you change the sensitivity of the respiratory node of the brain. What the reason you breathe isn't because you're low on oxygen, it's because you're high on CO2. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you reset that. So it triggers breath at higher and higher CO2 levels. So then you natively raise your own CO2 level. And mm -hmm. you can raise your CO2, you can reset your brain by holding your breath. And that takes a lot of discipline and is uncomfortable, or you breathe CO2 for a little while. And I can walk you through that protocol at another point in time as well. Yeah, for sure. I'd also be interested in how that would stack with like an EWAT protocol. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and in what order of operations would make the most sense? Just interesting. Now, yeah, yeah. Another thing you can play around, um, you know, just to share this with other uh, biohackers, is you can go get yourself a syringe pump and a microinfusion set, and you can basically give yourself IVs. So basically what that is, is a, it's a pump that you put a syringe in that slowly presses the syringe. And then the microinfusion set is something that's used like for people who are insulin or something with this tiny, tiny needle, you know, like this, like nothing, this really tiny needle. And you slap it on your arm or your belly, your abdomen, and it, and it runs. And then, so let's say you want to put glutathione in or something. You fill your, your, your syringe up with whatever you want to inject in. And you obviously express all the air out of it. And when you see the liquid coming out of the little tiny needle, you slap it on your belly and you pump it in for three hours when you're watching, you know, a movie. And that's a hack around IVs. Now, my hack- You don't, you don't have to find a vein and do it with one hand No, because you're doing it. No, you're doing it subcutaneous. No kidding. What's that called? Go to syringepump.com and get the pump and then go get a micro infusion set for insulin. That is pretty gnarly. But you, you don't want the micro infusion set that has like a gajillion needles. For, for skin stuff. You want the one that's just a single needle that's on like a little rotating cap. That is, that's a big hack. Cause I've, I I've tried the one arm thing for NAD, as I mentioned, and it was terrible. It was just yeah. like, uh, it's like, no, yeah. that's, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I love that. Like that. I wanted to get, to, I wanted to get to that one for you. Yeah. I appreciate um, it. Uh, I cool. make a machine. I make a machine that I no longer make. So you, you have to hack this yourself, but cats, any animal that purrs heals faster than any animal that doesn't. 
Mm-hmm. Pers are all at around 26 cycles per second. I built a, a table that vibrates at 26 cycles per second, and I get on it and vibrate, and that triggers a, he- a global healing effect in the body. Uh, I don't sell them anymore, but you can hack that yourself with a, an eccentric motor. That's a fun little... Mm-hmm. I just want to run through all the, the biohack. I, I promise yeah, this to is fun. a bunch of biohacks. I, saw, I used to teach yoga, and I would I would encourage like humming and the, uh, the ujjayi breath, as, yeah, as yeah, they yeah. call it, as a way of self-soothing or sort of entraining the nervous system through sound frequencies. Yeah, well, that also, you know, the barometric pressure manipulations and the vagic nerve, vagic nerve simulations, mm-hmm. you're doing these kind of things in the Udiyabandha. Um, those are also, I mean, the first hackers were the, were the yogis. The yogics sure. were the first people to do hacks. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so, you know, they're, they're great people to study if you want to understand manipulation, specifically with the Vegas nerve. Mm-hmm. Okay, another fun thing is, um, okay, never sit down. I mean, I'm sitting down now, but other than podcasts and dinner and driving a car, I'm never sitting. It's because sitting wrecks the prostate. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a firearms training, um, you know, uh, fighting from the ground with pistol retention last weekend. And there was a guy who, shot, who fly, flies F-16s. And uh, I won't name his name, you know, great guy. Um, and he had had three cancers uh, and two of them, colon and prostate. I'm like, well, you spend all your day sitting, don't you? Right? Because you're um, in a plane. He goes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, okay, stop sitting down because it's not doing any favors. So do yourself a favor, guys. Get up, you know, have a stand-up desk and don't sit down. The only reason I, I don't, I'm not standing right now is because the camera angle will be weird. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing is um, something called the Ebner. Okay. Sleep apnea. If you snore, you're killing yourself. You cannot heal if you snore. Because mm-hmm. uh, what's happening is you're choking to death, you know, a thousand times a night. Mm-hmm. And because we are the third generation of Pottinger's cats, because we've had three generations of wrecking our genetics, the dental arch has collapsed, and most people don't have enough room in their mouth for their tongue. And so as they age and they get inflamed, they start choking while they're sleeping. And that's causing a lot of heart facts right there. Mm. So a really important hack is get to an airway doctor, get your airway assessed to see if you have any sleep issue uh, or get a sleep study done. And then you may need to have your dental arch expanded. That's now that's not any doctor though, because who do you need? What specific type of doctor do you need to see? Because if you just walk into a regular doctor- No, no, you need to go like, to an orthodontist. Yeah, you need, I'll give you the name of somebody um, that you can, you can post. You need to go to an orthodontist who does, uh, uh, arch, who does expansion of the arch and can measure the airway. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. This will be commonplace in ten years. Right now, I, I think so too. I've heard uh, that Dr. Schallenberger's talked about it a good amount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, two two more. Um, one is the Ebner effect. Do we have time for the Ebner effect? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> there was this guy. He was a Swiss um, scientist. I don't know, fifty years ago. I think his name was Ebner, and uh, he noticed that uh, the, his house, uh, the plant he had in his lab, was not moving towards the window which it should have done, but moving towards a high voltage device he had, it wanted the electricity mm-hmm. more than it wanted the sunlight. Mm-hmm. And he made these devices that were basically capacitive plates that he would put uh, seeds in between. And what he found is that when the seeds grew, they had recapitulated to an earlier genetic manifestation. In other words, the seeds looked like the seeds of plants from a million years ago. So the wheat looked like ancient wheat. The corn looked like ancient corn. They were more vital. They were more fecund. There was like more, there was more ears of corn and they were bigger and growing faster. It's like, wow, what the heck happened to these plants? So then he did it to salmon eggs. And the salmon that first off, a greater percentage of the eggs uh, became salmon, less, less, you know, uh, less die, less death, you know, greater fertility. I don't know if you call it fertility, whatever the word would be for um, making it to um to growth, uh, to partition. Uh, not being born. Anyway, a greater percentage of the eggs survived to become salmon. 
They were more vibrant colored. They were more aggressive. They were bigger. And they had jaws that came forward. And you know, nobody understood what was up with these salmon. And they took them to all these salmon experts and like, we've never seen salmon like this. And I think maybe they found this old book that there was an ancient or extinct version of salmon that had a jaw that was jutted forward. It was primitive. Somehow, and these, and these salmon were like, ass kicker salmons, right? Like they would like be the Neanderthals of humanity. Like, you know, he's like, you would never want to go toe to toe to a Neanderthal because they would kick your ass. Mm -hmm. And there's no, and they may actually have been as smart or smarter than we were. So I feel like um, guys like 30 years ago on average would kick most guys' asses today. Yeah, right. So, you know, our grandparents were, our great grandparents are tough as nails. We are getting weaker every every generation. Mm -hmm. So can we go back to uh, an earlier genetic manifestation? Now we're it's too late for me to apply this to my mother while I'm in utero, mm-hmm. but I am building a device that will replicate that on human scale. And I want to find out what happens to us when we as adults are put in, because my guess is that the field that it creates will cause an epigenetic shift towards a earlier version of our genetics. And people who think that they've had their genetics either damaged intergenerationally or by things that might have played with their genetics in this generation and gene drive and uh, RNA manipulating technologies, we may mm-hmm. be able to to bring them back to an earlier. It's like a it's like a genetic reset. Mm-hmm. So that's a are you talking about potentially detoxing from certain medical experiments? I'm talking about reversing genetic manipulations and degeneration. Right. Degeneration is year, generation after generation after generation. The genetics are getting worse because the world mm-hmm. is more toxic. And then in this generation, we have a bill, a half, half the world's population has intentionally chosen to take a substance into their body that is re- designed to edit your DNA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you decide that maybe that edit was not a good idea, how do you hit, you know, control Z? How do you mm-hmm. go back a few few steps in the history and hit the way back machine and get your body back to a pre genetically. Uh, so I'm thinking, I've, I've, I don't I've talked to so to many people that are in that camp now. Yeah. So, right. So um, not only that, but we also might be able to take people back to what they were like 200 years ago, a thousand years ago, 5,000 years ago. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Good question. We'll find out. I'm fascinated by this because I've been working to reconcile the role of electricity in our evolution or mm. enslavement. Mm. And it, it, it kind of seems like there is a, a bi-directional component to it. Um, and I had a friend ask me the other day, she said, she's like, she gave me all these examples of how people are looking younger and younger mm-hmm. and, and, and what my theories were on that. And it was very difficult to ascertain how much of this was data, uh, cherry picked data points and, and so on and so forth. But um, it does seem like we're, we're, we're not as strong we're not, uh, you know, our, our sperm count is noticeably lower. There's a lot of things that have been impacted on the negative side, but that example, the, the Ebner effect that you gave, mm. there are examples in nature where we gravitate towards electricity. I mean, even I was just in Miami last weekend and I was working a lot from outside. And every time I went to go plug in my computer to the outdoor electrical socket, there was a little anole hanging out in there every single time, day in, day out, he was chilling by the electrical socket. Now, mm-hmm. is that a behavior that is supportive of the Anoli's genetic and biological expression? I don't know, but he likes that fucking shit. 
you know, and he, and he was choosing to hang out there on purpose. It's all very fascinating to me, our relationship with electricity and, and how it impacts us in the short and long-term and all of this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when electricity first started coming out, you know, we had the Frankenstein um, novel come out thinking, oh my God, what are we going to do? And then there was a flurry of devices at the turn of the century, like diathermy and a lot of Tesla stuff, where they were actually looking at what can electricity do to improve our health. Mm-hmm. And then that all got, and then right after that, um, you know, the antibiotic revolution came on and people said, hey, what are you doing messing around with all this electrical witchcraft? Don't you know the, the cool, the, all, the, all the cool kids are doing antibiotics. And uh, so that's the path we went down. And now we're starting to see a renaissance of, well, okay, but you know what? Um, cells have a lot in common with capacitors and batteries. And a lot of this looks like biological forms of circuits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the tissue looks like a liquid crystal. And wow, mm-hmm. maybe maybe a better understanding of how electricity works is important for understanding health. I totally agree. Well, this has been a fun conversation. Thank you, brother. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. And, uh, and, and hopefully you didn't think that I was like criticizing you. I was, I'm, I try to play the devil's advocate. That's asking the question of the skeptic listener, you know, as well, while we're, while we're having this and so that we can explore these, these things from all vantage points. I, I really do appreciate all the innovations that you've been driving and, and the curiosity and, um, yeah, with which you approach health and, um, thinking outside of the box. Well, thank you, Anthony. It was, uh, it was really good talking to you. And, uh, yeah, you know, um, it's an amazing time to be a biohacker. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's so much information available uh, if, and, so, and the ability to, to, to experiment and to, to do fun things. You know, it's, um, there's, no, there's so much potential for the human body. You know, it, it's so well built. I think that it's very reasonable to think that we could be living out to 120 in complete control of our faculties, you know, having energy, a clear mind, you know, vital. And I think, I think that the, the way in which, I think the first change that's happened in the last hundred years we've seen is that lifespan has gone from like 30, you know, like your fifties up to your seventies or even younger than thirties, right? Uh, younger than your fifties. I think the next, so we're going to hit the point where maximum lifestyle span starts you know, we're getting like the eighties, nineties and hundreds regularly. The next shift is going to be getting there in style, getting there and be like, Oh, you're hundred. Gosh, you don't look more than 60, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then on your last day of earth, you are still kicking ass, right? You're mm-hmm. still having a great time and enjoying things. And then finally the clock goes, and you're like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. You know, I think the idea of ending life, you know, exhausted and a shell of what we were I think that we, we may be one of the last generations to do that, but I think some of us, you know, who are into the biohacking and who, you know, like yourself and the information you're, you're, you're bringing out to the public are going to be ahead enough of the curve that, you know, when we hit our seventies and eighties and nineties, our contemporaries will look at us and be like, wow, I, what did you do? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Um, so for our listeners that that have really enjoyed this conversation and want to support you. What's the best way for them to do that? You, you've oh. got a ton of these products and supplements that we discussed and yeah, please oh, well, take, well, take the podium. Oh, thanks. So uh, the website is remedylink.com, uh, R-E-M-E-D-Y-L-I-N-K.com. Uh, the products we make are there. We've got a whole mess of videos um, that will, you know, kind of do deep dives into various topics that we've uh, only let, 
you know, been able to address um, a little bit in the last two hours. And yeah, um, come visit. Awesome. Well, Spencer Feldman, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. And uh, again, very, very appreciative of you. Thanks, Anthony. So in early 2022, almost out of nowhere, I started experiencing massive changes in my body and mental health. My hair was thinning and falling out faster than ever before. I was experiencing mood fluctuations, I was putting on body fat, losing strength and muscle mass. I was even having a harder time remembering certain people's names and things that I knew I knew. My face looked older and I had more wrinkles and there was a noticeable decrease in my sex drive. And then one of the guests that I had on our podcast introduced me to a product called BioPro Plus that naturally boosts your IGF-1 and human growth hormone levels. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check out episode 265 on how to increase HGH, boost libido, and experience 68% better recovery with Dustin Baker. BioPro Plus contains a combination of powerful natural ingredients for boosting HGH, human growth hormone, and IGF-1, like elk antler, tribulus, and shilajit, all in their purest and most potent forms. What's interesting is elk antlers are the only mammalian appendage capable of continuous regeneration. These antlers grow an inch or more per day and have the fastest growth rate of any organ in the animal kingdom. I started taking one glass vial every morning and holding it under my tongue for 90 seconds before swallowing. And before I'd even finished my first kit, I was getting compliments on my skin and how I looked five to 10 years younger. You can even go back and look at some of my social media videos from earlier this year, and you'll see how big of a difference there is. Since then, my energy has increased. I feel more motivated. My libido and sex drive came back. I've been losing fat. I'm stronger and recovering faster from my workouts. And my hair is coming in thicker and even stopped falling out. If my story resonates with you, I highly recommend you try BioPro Plus for yourself. When you feel it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And for a limited time, you can save $30 on your order by going to bioproteintech.com and entering discount code biohacks. That's B-I-O-P-R-O-T-E-I-N-T-E-C-H.com and discount code B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. 